Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with R.A. Spratt. Today's story is a Friday Barnes one and it's The Mystery of the One Dollar Coin. Here we go. Friday and Melanie were sitting in the back row of biology class. Miss Bonnell was talking about mitosis, a subject Friday thoroughly understood already, and Melanie had no interest in understanding ever. The best thing about Miss Bonnell was her voice, her beautiful, lilting voice. It was like a wind chime in the breeze, so easy to tune out and ignore. Which was why both Friday and Melanie considered biology to be their favourite subject. Even Miss Bonnell was very relaxed about it all. She sat at her raised desk with the sleeves of her old red jumper rolled up, her feet on a chair that had been angled perfectly so that she could sit sunbathing in the glow from the window. She clearly loved her subject. She described the separation and duplication of cells with a loving affection that someone might recount a favourite childhood bedtime story. As she talked, she snacked on a chocolate bar, which she would occasionally stop to dip in a tub of guacamole. Several of the class were eating chocolate because there was a vending machine in the corridor right outside the classroom, and Miss Bonnell could not begrudge the students a treat she did not want to begrudge herself. Miss Bonnell had given up writing on the blackboard at the beginning of term when she sprained her wrist rollerblading, and she found she preferred talking about science as if it were a wonderful fairy tale. If she lowered the lights and provided pillows, no doubt half the class would drift off to sleep, having happy dreams about the goings-on of cells. If you imagine DNA as being like a zipper, began Miss Bonnell, then that will... Aha! cried the vice-principal as he burst into the room. Miss Bonnell was so shocked to be suddenly and loudly interrupted that she fell out of her chair. Ah, oh, vice-principal, said Miss Bonnell, drawing herself up to her feet, then thinking better of it and sitting down again. What's the meaning of this? It's no concern of yours, Miss Bonnell, said the vice-principal. The school council has asked me to investigate because they are concerned by the growing culture of immorality at this school. And as I am an old boy, they know I know what the standards should be. The vice-principal prowled the room, glaring at the students as he said this. As such, I have designed a little test to gauge the honesty of your students. At this point, the vice-principal noticed Melanie at the back of the room. She was staring out the window, watching autumn leaves drift from the trees. Friday had kicked her in the ankle several times to try and get her to stop staring out the window. But you could attach a giant clamshell to Melanie's foot in steeply rising tidal water, and she still wouldn't notice. You girls, snapped the vice-principal, stop staring out the window. At this point, Melanie did look around. Oh, sorry, said Melanie, getting up and starting to pack her books. I must be in the wrong classroom. I'm supposed to have Miss Bonnell for biology in second period. It is still second period, isn't it? This is second period biology with Miss Bonnell, yelled the vice principal. Miss Bonnell leaned to one side and waved so that Melanie could see her behind the vice principal. So it is, said Melanie. Hello, Miss Bonnell. I always enjoy your lessons. They're very relaxing. You're not here to relax, snapped the vice-principal. You're here to learn. Some people need to relax to learn, observed Melanie. You're not one of them, said Friday. 
True, agreed Melanie. Be quiet, ordered the vice-principal. You two need to learn to be silent until spoken to. But you are speaking to us, said Melanie. She turned to Friday. He is, isn't he? Or am I dreaming that the vice-principal is yelling at me? No, he's definitely yelling at you, said Friday, and I think it would be very unlikely for us to simultaneously be having the same hallucination, unless Mrs. Marigold has been putting hand-picked mushrooms in the beef stroganoff again. I'll deal with you two later, said the vice-principal ominously. That's not why I'm here, he strode to the front of the classroom. I am here because I have designed a test of this class's honesty. This morning, before you entered this room, I put a one-dollar coin on that windowsill over there. An honest student would have taken it immediately and lodged it with lost property. That did not happen. So either the coin will still be there, or one of the students in this class is a thief. Vice-Principal Dean, I'll not allow you to accuse this class of began Miss Bonnell getting to her feet. Miss Bonnell, interrupted the Vice-Principal, kindly sit down. This is no concern of yours, although I would like to have a conversation with you about your dress sense. I can distinctly see a large moth hole in the back of your jumper. That is not the high crest way. Miss Bonnell sank back into her chair, her face having turned as bright red as her jumper. The students all looked at each other. The vice-principal imagined they were looking at each other, wondering who could be the thief. But they were wealthy children who didn't care very much about one dollar. They were actually wondering if the vice-principal was bonkers, and who among them had a parent who was a psychiatrist who'd be able to get him committed. "'Shall we see, then?' said the vice-principal. No one answered, hoping if they ignored him that he would go away, and they could go back to not listening to their biology lesson." The vice-principal strode over to the window, moved aside an overhead projector, and revealed an empty windowsill. Aha! cried the vice-principal. It's gone. I might have known. What a sorry group you are. Desecrating one of the fundamental rules of decent society. Thou shalt not steal. You should be ashamed of yourselves, all of you. Not just the thief, but the rest of you as well, for allowing this crime to go ahead before your very eyes and doing nothing to stop it. The vice-principal was whipping himself up into a full-blown rant now. He was finding it hard to keep his saliva in his mouth as he spat out his venomous words. So which one of you was it? If you confess now, I'll go easy on you. You'll just be expelled. We won't bring the police into it. The whole class sat in complete silence. No one even moved, in case the vice-principal should take the slightest flinch as an admission of guilt. Who did it? demanded the vice-principal. Friday pushed back her chair and rose to her feet. "'You!' exclaimed the vice-principal. "'No,' said Friday. "'It was not me. "'But I suggest you drop this line of attack right now "'and leave this classroom. "'Otherwise things will get very unpleasant for you.' "'Are you threatening me?' demanded the vice-principal, "'his voice reaching new extremes of loudness. "'He really did have excellent projection. "'The way he punched his consonants out from his diaphragm "'would be the envy of any theatrical performer or drill sergeant.' No, I'm not threatening you, said Friday. You're clearly giddy with power and quite possibly mentally deranged, so common sense compels me to have as little to do with you as possible. When I say that this course of action will end badly for you, I'm merely giving you advice based on what my deductive reasoning has concluded really happened to the $1 coin and therefore what will take place in your immediate future. How dare you, yelled the vice principal. Do you know who stole the money or not? Yes, I do, said Friday, but I ask you, do you really want to know? And I urge you to reflect on all the possible results. Just tell me, yelled the vice-principal. Vice-principal, please, I cannot allow, began Miss Bonnell. I'm handling this, snapped the vice-principal. Barnes, spit it out, right now. Very well, said Friday. These are the facts. I am sitting in the back row, and given the angle of my eyeline and the height of that windowsill, I have the best chance of seeing the top of it. But I can't, 
The windowsill is too high and my seat is too low. I'd have to be 10 foot tall to see the top of that windowsill when I'm sitting down. That means that once the class came in and sat down, none of us could have seen the dollar coin you put there. So someone saw it as they came in, said the vice principal. Impossible, said Friday. The overhead projector was right in front of the windowsill. You moved it yourself. So what are you saying, demanded the vice principal, that the coin evaporated into thin air? No, I'm saying that whoever put the overhead projector there is the only person who could have seen it, said Friday. And that person is Miss Bonnell. Everyone turned and looked at Miss Bonnell. She was looking acutely embarrassed and bright red in the face. Outrageous, exclaimed the vice principal. How dare you accuse a member of staff? It's also the only explanation that makes sense, said Friday. Not only did she have the means and the opportunity, she also had the motive. Most of the students in this room are so rich, they wouldn't bother crossing the room to pick up a dollar. I assure you the teachers here are well paid, said the vice principal. They need to be, to put up with students like you. I'm sure that's the case, agreed Friday. But there is another motivating factor at play here. Hunger. The vice principal just looked confused now. Miss Bonnell may be well paid, but her handbag is in the staff room on the other side of the quadrangle, said Friday. Imagine how she felt getting the room ready for her biology class. She starts to feel hungry, but the class will arrive in a couple of minutes. Then she spots the dollar, which in itself is a resistible temptation. But the dollar, in combination with the vending machine out in the corridor, would have been just too much. The sugar, the chocolate, perhaps even some kind of biscuit centre. There's no way she could resist. What you're saying isn't just defamatory, it's ridiculous, accused the vice principal. Breakfast was served just two hours ago. Yes, but I have observed that Miss Bonnell has, for the last few months, spent an increasing amount of time sitting down with her feet up, wearing oversized comfortable clothes and eating chocolate bars dipped in guacamole. Plus, last week, she cried when she showed us a video about the life cycle of a frog. These are all symptoms of one thing, said Friday. No, said Miss Bonnell. What? asked the vice principal. She's pregnant, exclaimed Melanie with delight. And studies show that women get very hungry and very irrational when they're pregnant, concluded Friday. Everyone in the room gasped. They turned to look at Miss Bonnell, who'd gone an even deeper shade of dark red. Congratulations, called Melanie happily. But how can Miss Bonnell be having a baby, spluttered the vice principal. She isn't even married. You really should attend some of Miss Bonnell's biology lessons, said Friday. She could explain the whole process of mitosis to you. It has absolutely nothing to do with the marriage contract. That said, you're entirely wrong because Miss Bonnell is in fact married. The whole class gasped again. (gasps) You'll note the suntan line on her ring finger. My guess is she's been wearing the ring on a chain around her neck, probably because as a science teacher she has to wash her hands so often. This is preposterous, sputtered the vice principal. Why on earth would Miss Bonnell be secretive about getting married? Because she's embarrassed about who she's married to, said Friday. Don't say, pleaded Miss Bonnell, holding her hands over her face in shame. There's no point keeping it a secret, said Friday. It really is quite obvious. Why, asked Miss Bonnell, we've been so discreet. You're wearing his red jumper, said Friday. He wore it to assembly on Monday last week. Miss Bonnell looked down. She was wearing an oversized men's red woolen jumper. exclaimed Melanie. That's his sweater. That hole in the back is where I accidentally stabbed him with a javelin last term. You're married to a PE teacher, said the vice principal. You can see why she's embarrassed, said Friday. A scientist falling for a jock. But how did you know we were married, asked Miss Bonnell. Your broken wrist at the beginning of term, said Friday. You said you broke it rollerblading, and the only way an adult would ever learn to rollerblade is if they were head over heels in love with a person who wanted to teach them. 
Miss Bonner looked at the suntan line on her ring finger. I didn't realise there was so much to notice. So there you have it, said Friday, turning to the vice principal. Someone did take the dollar coin you left on the windowsill, but leaving a dollar coin out in the classroom of a pregnant lady an hour before lunch when there's a vending machine selling chocolate just five metres from her classroom door is nothing short of entrapment. You'll be in a lot of trouble with the teachers' union if they get wind of this. I think the best way for you to settle this matter is for you to buy Miss Bonnell an enormous box of chocolates as a congratulations present, then never speak of this incident again. The vice-principal's mouth opened and closed several times as he processed all this information. Very well, he finally said as he turned to the class. He still had to try and save face. I hope this is a lesson to you not to pick up money that doesn't belong to you. I think it's been a greater lesson to all of us not to set traps, said Friday, unless you know who you're going to catch. And so the mystery of the missing dollar coin was solved. The end. Thank you for listening to support this podcast just buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from from across the Friday Barns, Pesky Kids and Nanny Piggins series. You can order them at your local bookstore or go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the Book Depository banner. They have all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>